0: Yes, today we continue our series on the pallets, building one truth upon another regarding the Lord Jesus. He's our foundation, and uh, we're trying to become the real me today. Um, At Christmas time, my son and my daughter-in-law gave me the book Unbroken because they knew that I wouldn't be able to stomach the real movie and, and go to the movie, and also because they knew that I like running, and I, I used to run track, and so uh, I read the book in its entirety, story about Louis Zamperini and a world-famous Olympic athlete, runner, uh, who ended up in the Pacific uh, during the World War II uh, as a result of being shot down by the enemy. And uh, eventually he was captured by the Japanese after a long and exhausting ordeal on a raft or on a couple of rafts and finally just one raft. Uh, 47 days, which broke all records. In fact, nobody gave any hope for them being alive. No one had ever lived past around 25, 26 days. And yet uh, they were able to survive with, in some miraculous ways. As a matter of fact, when the Japanese found them and realized how long they'd been out there and how they had survived, they, th- they thought it was nothing short of a miracle, even the Japanese. They learned how with just very tiny little uh, hooks to catch fish there in the ocean. They would uh, watch for birds, and as the birds would come close, they would kind of pretend to be dead. As the birds would come close, they'd grab the birds, wring their heads off, and then tear them apart and eat the birds, They even found a way to uh, kill the sharks who were constantly swimming around their raft. They would kill the sharks and then eat the sharks. And so it was an amazing story of survival. And as bad as the raft experience was, because they were down to skin and bones when they were found, the prison camp and camps were even worse. Because the camp commandant who followed them to several different camps, took a special hatred for Louis Zamperini, primarily because he was so famous and he was an Olympic athlete. And he did everything that he could to make life miserable, even to torture him to the point of starvation and beatings and just constant for over two years. And if uh, making him miserable would uh, kill him, He didn't want that because he wanted him to suffer a lot, but if it did kill him, that would be okay too. And uh, so I, I thought for those of you who are not familiar with the story, you might want to see just a little bit of the trailer concerning the movie. And so let's see kind of what took place in Louis' life. And by four o'clock The light will always follow darkness. Keep going the way you're going, you end up as a bum on the street. You train. You fight harder than those other guys, and you win. You can take it, you can make it. You can do this love, you just got to believe you can. Pop does, Ma does, I do. Boy, the moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. Thank awesome. In that one scene, you saw the men hitting uh, Louis, and uh, it was estimated that over 200 men hit him in the face, and it was demanded that they do that or they would be killed. And they hit him in the face as hard as they could, and when he didn't think they'd hit him hard enough, he made them hit him again, over 200 blows. And uh, most men couldn't survive that in the first place, but it was an amazing thing. And so there's so much more to the story. But after, during his imprisonment and after the war, Louis had an all consuming hatred for Commander Watanabe. And he was haunted by nightmares for years, at least five years he's haunted. And the hatred and the dreams drove him to drinking alcohol and finally becoming a hopeless and helpless alcoholic. And his marriage was holding on by a thread. And then, everything changed. Everything changed when Louis gave his life to Christ at a Billy Graham rally in Los Angeles. His wife had become a Christian at one of the rallies. This was the the rally that went on for, I think it was five, six weeks, or seven weeks, and and Billy Graham became extremely famous during this time. She went to the rally... And she gave her life to Christ. She had a whole new outlook on their marriage because she was ready to divorce him and had already started the proceedings. And she pestered him and pestered him and he refused to go. And finally he said, all right, I'll go just to get you to stop yelling at me. And so he went. He says, but if I go, if he starts giving that invitation, I will walk out right then and there. and, And so he went and that's exactly what happened. Billy Graham began to give the invitation. And Louis got out of his seat and he just stormed out of the building. Well, she kept after him and convinced him to go again. Same thing. If he starts giving that invitation, I'm out of there. And so he listens to the message and he's getting angrier and angrier as it goes on. And the end of the message comes and sure enough, Billy gives his his invitation to receive Christ. And Louis begins to stomp out as he had before. All of a sudden, he had a memory, a flashback to when he was on the raft. When he said to God, God, if you get me out of this alive, I will serve you the rest of my life. And he turned around. And he went straight down that sawdust trail. And Billy Graham saw him come. He says, yes, yes, young man, you come now and you receive Jesus as your Savior. And he did. And he did. Now look what his biographer had to say what happened when he got home. When they entered the apartment, Louis went straight for his cache of liquor. For the first time in years, Louis had no desire to drink. He carried the bottles to the kitchen sink, opened them, and poured their contents down the drain. He gathered packs of cigarettes, a secret stash of girly magazines, everything that was part of his ruined years. He heaved it all down the trash chute. In the morning, he awoke feeling cleansed. For the first time in five years, the bird, Watanabe, hadn't come into his dreams the bird would never come again. Louis was changed. She continues. That night, Louis Zamperini became a new man. Louis felt profound peace. What resonated with him now was not all that he had suffered, but the divine love that he believed had intervened to save him. He was not the worthless, broken, forsaken man that the bird had striven to make of him. In a single, silent moment, his rage, his fear, his humiliation, and helplessness had fallen away. That morning, he believed he was a new creation. Softly, he wept. And that's what our text in Colossians is all about today. The last week, Pastor Errol has been talking or talked to us about the fake you. The one who falls into sensual and sexual sins. The angry, vengeful you. The you that you don't even like. Today, Paul writes to us about the real you. And he says that we're to clothe ourselves with the person and qualities of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you haven't already, I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, where we read these words. Therefore, it's a conclusion. He's concluding a concept here about the real you. As God's chosen people, you've been chosen. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're a chosen one. Out of the billions of the people of the earth, this always just amazes me. He's chosen you. He's chosen me to be his very own. And what else? Holy. Yes, in God's sight right now, he sees you as a holy person. You're not there yet, but he sees you that way. And someday in glory, you will be that holy person. And then I love this too. And dearly loved. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And it reminds me of Jesus at his baptism when the the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son, my dearly loved son. Transfiguration, same thing. This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. And he uses, Paul uses those very same words to describe you and me in God's sight. Dearly loved. And he continues, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. What that really means is to make allowance for each other's faults. You've got enough of your own. Make allowance for other people's faults and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now to understand these verses better, we have to reprise some of the verses that Errol taught us in verses 8 through 10 of this very same chapter. Look at it. But now is the time to get rid of as if you're chopping off a hand caught in a meat grinder and so your hand is getting caught and if you get dragged into it you're gonna die and you got a hatchet nearby and you know that the only way to save your life is to cut it off you know that really happened to a man named Aaron Ralston he was out hiking in the mountains of uh, Utah and as he was coming down he something happened and a boulder came to rest on his right arm and it was impossible for him to move that 800 pound boulder And so he was stuck. Nobody knew that he'd gone out hiking, and so nobody knew to look for him. And for five days and seven hours, he was there stuck. Very little to eat, very little to drink. In fact, he finally had to drink his own urine to stay alive. And around that fourth day, the the fifth night of sleep, he had an epiphany that the only way for him to survive was to cut off his arm. And so he began to make little cuts, little cuts, little cuts. It's was excruciating. But then he realized there's no way I'm going to cut through with this two-inch knife. I'm going to cut through those bones. So he fashioned a tourniquet and literally broke his arm so that the bones were, bro- were broken. And then with that two-inch knife, he began to saw, sawing through the nerves and the muscles. And he says it was like being on fire. But finally, able to pull his rest of his arm away he had to rappel down a cliff and everything it was an amazing story but he cut off his arm that's what Paul's talking about here but now's the time to cut off your arm cut off anger rage malicious behavior slander dirty language don't lie to each other You've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, the real you now. And be renewed as you learn. That's a key word. Learn to know your creator and become like him. So when you put the two sections together, it comes together something like this. We have anger, rage, and malice. And get rid of that. Cut that off. That's not the real you. The real you is filled with compassion and kindness and humility, like the Lord Jesus. The fake you is one who slanders, is, that means hurtful and mean words, and filthy language from your lips. You become a gentle person, a patient person. Don't lie to each other. And there's all kinds of other things he could have added. But he says, bear with each other. We so said, make, make allowance for other people's faults. And I have to tell you that this cutting off and putting on doesn't come without effort. The Christian life isn't just hard, it's impossible without God's help. If you try to live it in your own strength, you can't do it. At the same time, we have to be careful to affirm that we do not have to work for our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God that we simply have to receive. Now, most of us in this room know that. But on the chance that there would be some here who are still thinking today, I've got to do this and do this and do this, filling that jar extra, we uh, can't earn it. There's nothing to earn here. We simply have to receive the gift that the Lord has given us. Most of us know this because Pastor Errol has stressed this just about every message in this series. So listen carefully. God and in his gospel is opposed to earning. It, it, just, it, it does not exist in God's plan. But he's not opposed to effort. And there's a difference it's going to be very clear by the time we finish today. So let's look at our central truth for the day. You knew it was coming. You can't earn it, but you can learn it. You can't earn your salvation. There's a difference between justification and sanctification. You can't earn the justification. God does that. But you can learn sanctification. That's your part. God does his part. You do your part. And we have to start by hating sin. Look at what Bob Deppenbaugh had to say about this. Until we hate sin, we will not turn from it. Until we reach the end of ourselves. Have you reached the end of yourself? You might remember that day. Louis Zamperini remembered that day the rest of his life. The day that he came to the end and he said yes to God. Until we reach the end of ourselves, we will not look to God. Just as unsaved men and women must come to the end of themselves in order to receive God's gracious provision of righteousness by faith in Christ, Christians too must come to the end of themselves to find the solution once again at the cross of Calvary. The Lord Jesus said that we're to take up our cross how often? Daily. Daily. We're to deny ourselves. We're to die to self daily. We're to crucify ourselves daily. Once again, at the cross of Calvary, do you hate your sin today? I don't hate my sin. Not enough. Do you hate your sin? Are you toying with it? Tolerating it? Nursing it? Hiding it? Excusing it? Enjoying it? Paul says, get rid of it. Cut it off. You're about to get pulled into the meat grinder and die. But most sin, and Satan who promotes it in our lives, is much more subtle. Too often it sneaks up on us, tricks us, lies to us, entices us and makes false promises of fun and prosperity and fulfillment and we fall for it maybe we fall for it because we don't hate sin enough we haven't learned to identify it quickly to resist and run James writes submit yourselves then to God resist the devil And he will flee from you. But we've got to run too. Pastor Errol taught us that we have to run from sin. We know how awful it is. We hate it. And there's another factor. John Stott, the famous British preacher, wrote this. Indeed, an honest and humble acknowledgement of the hopeless evil of our flesh. Even after the new birth, is the first step to holiness, to speak quite plainly. Some of us are not leading holy lives for the simple reason we have too high an opinion of ourselves. We have too high an opinion of ourselves. That's our second problem. We too easily compare ourselves to others. You know, I'm not the best Christian, but I've seen a lot worse Christians than me, you know. So don't come to me about that. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. Wrong standard. Other Christians are the wrong standard. Our standard is way up here. Jesus Christ, are you there? You hate your sin? you have too high an opinion of yourself so we've got to learn to know our creator and become like him colossians 3:10 now i want to exaggerate this point today for us with a simple illustration that i hope will help us all to remember the point for the day cuz it's a critical point it's something that We need to know and never forget. And this uh, piece of luggage is a lot like our lives, where we have a lot of baggage. We're born with that kind of baggage. That's our sin nature. You got it. You can't help it. It's there. And then our environment. Often our parents and our friendships and so forth. And then the bad choices that we make, we're just loaded with baggage. We're loaded with baggage like anger, rage, and malice. I don't know about you, but I've just told you about Louis Zamperini. He had an all-consuming rage. He would wake up in the middle of the night, and he was strangling his wife. Because in his dream, he was strangling Watanabe. And uh, so he had to get rid of his rage. Uh, and again, I, I don't know about you, and maybe it's, it's certainly not as bad as, as Zamperini's wrong standard, but in any case, the other day I was driving on, on the interstate, and for absolutely no reason, I saw, I saw this truck coming up. You know how they come up really fast on you, and you know what's going to happen, and I'm thinking, there's no way this guy can, he sideswiped me. He didn't hit me, but he just came really, really close. And it was ridiculous because I was just a couple car lengths away from the car ahead of me, and there was a truck in front of him. There was no place he could go. It was absolutely stupid to sideswipe me. So I laid on the horn, and I <laughs> let him know <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> it wasn't just boop, boop. It was burp, just a real long time. And uh, my co-pilot, um, Ruthie, said to me, does that really help you feel better? <laughs> I said, yes, it does. <laughs> and I felt like saying, bang, zoom, Alice, to the moon. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm making fun, but it, it's rage, and we sometimes have rage. I've had rage, I had rage once where I, I lost the contact out of my lens uh, as I was driving. This was a long time ago. And back then, contact lenses cost an enormous amount of money. And uh, it, it came off in my car, but, and I stopped the car in the interstate, and I'm looking for that contact lens. I cannot find it. And I flew into a blind rage, just uncontrollable rage. Get rid of it. Cut it off. You know what some people say? That when you're in that kind of rage, you give the devil an opportunity to enter into your mind and your heart to do even more stupid things. Replace it, friends, with Christ's compassion. Be a compassionate person. A, a kind person. person with humility. You know, the biographer for Louis Zamperini said, uh, not the biographer, actually it was Angelina Jolene uh, at, at the end of the, uh, at the trailer there, said it was an absolute delight to work with Louis Zamperini. He was in his 90s by the time she did this. He died at the age of 97, just a year ago, or so ago. And she said he was an absolute delight. You'll never meet a more gentle, kind, and compassionate man than Louis Zamperini taken from that rage, that madman, to putting on Christ, putting on the Lord Jesus. And that was the wrong piece of you're putting on something nice (laughs) like the Lord Jesus, okay? And then, get rid of mean words and slanderous words. Hurtful words. Um, I'm ashamed to admit this, but there was a time when I was um, being mistreated by some people. And it went on for a long time. And it hurt a lot. And uh, a friend came up to me and said, who started this? Who got this going on you? And here's what I said. I can remember it's 20 years later. I can remember what I said. I said, I don't know. I don't have any evidence at all. I, I can't prove what I'm about to say. But I think it was so-and-so. And I named his name. Slander. Slander. And, and it's so easy for us to do. I, I was so disgusted with him that I just wanted to get it out. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on his gentleness and his patience. You know, Jesus would never say anything like I said. And neither should we, right? Put on Jesus' gentleness and his patience. Oh, he's so patient with us. So unbelievably patient with us. And then there are the sensual and sexual sins that are so easy for us to slip into. It's all around us. Everywhere you look, you find that kind of thing. And Pastor Errol taught us about that just a little while ago and what to do with it. But there's pornography on the internet. It's so very easy to access and it's so easy to go to those little spots. And the Lord Jesus says, get rid of it. Cut it off. You say, well, it's, it's a victimless sin. Well, tell that to your wife. Let her know that you're watching all that. See how victimless it is. And then there's this book, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, I've been told that lots of Christians bought that book, read it. I got my suspicions as to why, but I can't understand it. Could that be you? And then there's this movie. And this movie is so vile, so ugly. It's, it's being described even in the media as you know pornography. It's bondage of a very rich man with a young girl and the mistreatment that she endures and the domination. Who would want to see that? As a matter of fact, I've heard rumors that the, that the main actor was so disgusted with himself that when he got home, he had to take a shower for about an hour just to face his family. And today, he and the actress uh, refuse to be together because they just really don't like each other after what they went through together in that particular movie. I have a little hard time uh, believing that because he took the money. I mean, he finished the movie, took the money. But that's what they're saying could that be some of us just can't wait to see that movie get rid of it get rid of it cut it off and instead let's take on the purity of our lord jesus christ take the blood of christ that cleansed us from all sin see that's not the real you The Lord Jesus Christ and His compassion, His gentleness, His purity is the real you. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how about grudges and revenge? Somebody's hurt you so bad, you can't forget it. It's just ugly to you. But you've got those feelings of revenge and you're not about to forgive you're certainly not about to forget. That's not the real you. Get rid of it. Cut it off. And again, replace it with bear with each other. Make room for other people's faults. And forgive that person the way Jesus forgave you. You came to him and and you admitted that you were wrong. And he immediately forgave you when he was on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That may be true of the person who wronged you. Didn't know what he was doing. Get rid of it. Cut it off. And then there's lies and shading the truth. And we want to take on the honesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says that God cannot lie. And the real you takes on the quality of the Lord Jesus, and we're not lying. We're not you know, we get into sometimes what we call little white lies of prevarication, maybe just the shading of the truth, and we we basically say, Well, it'll hurt less if I say this. But Jesus would never do that. God cannot lie, he cannot shade the truth. Thank God for that. Everything he tells us is true. Put on the Lord Jesus. But finally, the scripture says And finally, put on love. Put on the love of Christ, which binds them all together. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is trying to make us conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that we're to take on His love and to love other people the way He loves us. To find a way somehow to love other people unconditionally. Well, it's... It's not easy to do. In fact, I told you it's impossible without the Lord's help. Our central truth says it well. You can't earn it, but you can learn it. We don't put on Christ in our own strength. We say to the spirit of Christ within us, help me, help me, help me, help me, helping to show Christ's life in this situation. Again, your salvation is secure. You won't lose that. But your Christ likeness can slip and slide, and you won't grow the way you need to grow. You see, it takes discipline; it takes effort to grow in the Christian life, and we don't understand that. We just really don't understand the truth of God. In a passage we studied in Master's Men a couple of weeks ago, in First Timothy chapter four, we get the message loud and clear. Look at what it. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and that slide should come up here any second now unless the... There you go. All right. Labor and strive. Paul said, I labor and strive to build the church, to build you. And then he says to Timothy, devote yourself. Be diligent. See all these strong words of effort? Give yourself wholly. Watch yourself closely. Persevere that's effort folks that takes something from us if you've gotten the impression that all you have to do is say a prayer of repentance of sin and an invitation for Christ to come into your life and that's it and maybe you did that years ago and there's been no discipline there's been no effort ever since then I'd say watch out and I'd also say we haven't been teaching well enough Pastor Errol always says that the Christian life is a point and a process. We all, many of us came to that point when we came to the end of ourselves. Louis came to the end of himself. And then there was a process of growing. By the end of Louis' life, he was a man who just exhibited. He, he, he shown the life and the love of Christ. So you begin the process, seeking to become more like him. Through thick and thin, No matter what, you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to talk for the Lord, you're going to live for the Lord. Now I want you to know that this is the consistent teaching of the Word of God in the New Testament. So I'm going to give you a series of verses, and then we'll finish. Running to win, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win, all good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. Some people say, well, I'm trying to live the Christian life. Friends, trying isn't training. If I say I want to run a half marathon and I haven't trained for it, I'm trying to run the half marathon. I won't succeed. I'll fail. But if I train, I got a chance. And the guys last night went and said, you know, I've been running for over 30 years, probably 33 years. Three, four times a week. And in between, I, I lift weights and, and I'm trying to keep my body. It's hard work. There's a lot of times I say, I don't want to do this. You know, oh, I but I, I make myself get out there and run. And he says, they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping. Telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. Is that some effort, folks? You bet it is. Run to win. And then the Lord tells us in another passage that we're to be pleasing Him. Second Timothy two fifteen. Make every effort. That's some work. Give give yourself to God as the kind of person He will accept. Be a worker who is not ashamed, and who uses the true teaching in the right way. Someone has said that the person with the character of Christ does the right thing in the right way at the right time, in the right spirit. In the right way. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3-7 through 7, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. That's our goal. That's our motivation. Well done! Good and faithful servant. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor think about what i'm saying the lord will help you understand all these things and then we go to philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. work hard there it is again over and over again in the in the scriptures to show the results of your salvation the purity of christ the compassion of christ the love of christ obeying god with deep reverence and fear for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Bob Deppenboss says again, the Christian's walk is to be one that is given careful consideration It is one that is to be the outgrowth of thought, of purpose, of deliberate and disciplined action. The bottom line, friends, is that we're to be disciples. We're to be learners all our Christian lives, learning how to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, to demonstrate the character of Christ growing in us in all our human relationships. The truth is that you and I will never completely Learn these things, but we can be learning them every day. More and more, better and better. Finally, I have to make this assertion to you. Prayer, Bible reading, meeting attendance, witnessing, worship, obedience to specific biblical texts, moments of spiritual insight, and even revival are all tremendously important character is developed by bringing these spiritual disciplines to bear together on our lives on our attitudes decisions and on our relationships and actions are you doing in those disciplines are you a disciplined christian would you wake up in the morning and you just start out like everybody else And there's not a dime's worth of difference between you and the guy next to you who doesn't know Christ. What a tragedy. That's not the real you. The real you is the one who puts on Christ and shares in the character of the Lord Jesus. If you're not involved in these disciplines, I dare say that uh, your chances of becoming like Christ are slim to none. I think I can illustrate this point today with an illustration a guy told us in Master's Men a couple weeks ago. He said the Christian life is like going up to a mountaintop and Jesus is taking there. We can't get to that mountaintop by ourselves. There's no way we could get there without His help. And then once we're on the mountaintop, we work hard to stay up there with Him. That's a beautiful picture of His work and our work. That's the balance that we seek. We can't, but He can. So the question of the hour is, are you working hard to clothe yourself with Christ's character? I hope you'll really, really think about that real hard. Now let's stand for the benediction. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us to do all that I've been suggesting today that you have put in your word for us to learn. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and until Jesus Christ returns, and then forevermore. Amen. God bless as you grow this week.